Our Better Business series is supported by the Farm Business Resilience Program through the Australian Government's Future Drought Fund and the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. Across these next few weeks and episodes, we're going behind the scenes and chatting to some people who are making some serious impact and inroads across Australia. And they're not just limited to agriculture. Our aim is to uncover what's worked for them, discuss their learnings, and through their stories, provide ways for you to get some of those aha moments or things that might be able to benefit you, your business, and your community. Welcome back to episode two. Now, if you haven't listened to the first part of this conversation with Ed Bradley and B. Litchfield, jump on back. It's a 20, 25-minute conversation in that we understand a little bit about Hazeldean, their business, how the business has evolved over the years, some of the history behind it. And that carries us forward into episode two, where we're looking to understand how they've approached acknowledging what it is that's made the business successful over the generations, but making sure they remain innovative and adaptive while acknowledging legacy, but also ensuring that they adapt to the way that modern agriculture is evolving. Now, what I thought would be interesting would be to ask Ed a little bit about what it was like coming as an in-law into a family business, how he approached it, but also how his different background and skill set was actually incredibly valuable to the business. Now, one of the other things I was keen to understand was, as a family business, how do they work together as a family, but also knowing that the importance of having external people coming into their business. So I wanted to understand how they bring their employees on that journey. Let's get into it. Let's jump straight back into the systems and what you guys were chatting to. How much has that probably been influenced by the two of you and having that outside experience, but also fresh perspectives and probably being closer in age to some of your team? Literally all of it. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have come up with all of it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, the board meeting obviously had like, you know, we've got a pretty strict agenda with the board meeting, but all the sort of day-to-day operations, communication, that's all been, yeah, since I got home. Yeah, Wow. And was this stuff that, like, you'd stay up late Googling, trial and error? How'd you actually, I guess, work out what to implement and how it worked? Uh, well, yeah. I don't know. The shared calendar, I just thought it was pretty obvious. I mean, you you know, that every – well, I think it just – yeah, I don't know. That's a bad answer. But I just thought it what was kind of obvious for, you know, it was more for me, actually, coming in and not knowing, you know, what's coming. Well, I did know what's coming up, but not in the amount of detail that I needed to. And so it's probably a factor of me working out, you know, like, you know, when you first come home, you're so green and you don't know how much to plan. Like you're not planning ahead at all. You're sort of looking a week to two weeks ahead. But then as you've got to take on more and you've got to think about more, you've got to be looking three months ahead. And so for me, I just, I found it easier having an iCloud calendar and being able to put it all in there and be able to see what's coming up and being able to, you know, base your management around that. And then, I suppose it just was a natural progression of, well, why shouldn't everyone else who's working here have access to that? And then, you know, you're lucky. I'm just lucky that, you know, you can so easily share it. A lot of that technology when, you know, when dad first started, obviously wasn't there. So, you know, it's all been just what's available. And then, yeah, AgriWeb's, AgriWeb we had a false start with, to be honest. I tried to get it going when I, like, in 2015 and it's only as good as whoever's putting the information in as you would know but then we got it going again two years ago yeah and it's been really good but i suppose that's also been just a difference in you know how much responsibility i've had compared to you know 2015 and also like introducing a level of accountability to your old man as well that he actually needs to 
abide by the system for it to work for everyone. Yes. <laughs> That'd be a fun conversation. Yeah, well, we didn't, he still doesn't do it, but... But if he does it, you know, I know that he's done that. Like, you know, it's been, we need to move X to here. I know that he's done it so that I can do it. But if he was saying we need to move this, there was no follow through. So that's just sort of, I suppose, it's been a progression. (laughs) And Ed, coming from your background, you've sat in a few bigger businesses and things that have had to run literally like clockwork. What have been some of the, the aspects which you've learned outside and actually brought in as well? Yeah, I think yeah, it's it's been really, really valuable. It's like especially Rivoli's, you know, eleven hundred full time staff. So you get in those bigger companies that have just got really good systems in place and you learn how to use different software and you know, there are really good bits of software out there that you need to learn how to use and new software can be really daunting, but I think anyone who's onboarded in a business just needs to get training quick. And whatever it is, you know, you, you just need to learn it as fast as you can and use it as best as you can. And I think it's, um, yeah, if you can trust those systems, it's really good. I think developing good culture and uh, management culture, I think I definitely learned you'll work for some really cool people and you work for some harder, harder to work for people that you, and yeah, I mean, you learn what not to do and what to do and things like that. And you, yeah, you soak it all in. I don't regret a bit of it. I think it was mm. every bit of it was valuable, yeah, especially across different industries. Hugely. You touched on onboarding there. How do you guys actually – is it quite a formal structured process that you run for anyone new joining? Yeah, very. We, yeah, it's um, either use recruiters or just general advertising. You find people, two or three rounds of interviews, reference checks, and then kind of another final decision across the management team. It's kind of, yeah, I think the best good bit of advice we've learned is – Hire slowly and fire quickly. I think it's, yeah, your business is only as good as your people and people are by far the biggest asset we've got. So, Because you couldn't get done what we need to get done without a really good team. Yeah. It's not just capability, it's culture, attitude, uh, making all that sustainable and efficient too at the end of the day that, you you know, you can do it all and still make a dollar at the other end. So when someone comes in, say, for their first day, like is it a lot of hand-holding with them for those early days just to be like this is how we operate this is what we're trying to achieve etc definitely yeah first month really yeah first month it's pretty like a slow introduction but we do like you know we've got a formal induction and you know making sure that you know they're fully inducted in all of our you know machinery for example and you know the way we handle our livestock and you know just you know water infrastructure and you know it's all pretty detailed of what they've got to go through and you know because, you know, every farm's different and everyone has different, you know, threshold levels, I guess. Yeah. So in that onboarding and I guess the finding employees that fit into your business and your culture, how do you guys go with that? Because obviously family-owned business, you guys are family, your old man's family, but then, as you say, to actually achieve what you guys are trying to do, you need others. How do you go and how do you approach getting them on board with the vision of what you guys are trying to create and get them passionate about the business? Uh, look, we yeah, we try and be pretty picky. Obviously, everyone knows the ag market's been pretty tight as far as labour goes the last couple of years. So, you it hasn't been huge swathes. But you want to be an employer of choice. You want to you know have good facilities, good houses, good work conditions, and be nice people to work for. I don't know if we are some. I hope we're the people think we are, but 
And you, yeah, you try and make the right decision at the time for what you've got to also fit your time schedule. Sometimes, you know, you can wait a couple of months to hire someone and other times you need someone yesterday. So you just got to go with what's around. But we do, we run a, a scholarship with Marcus Oldham. We get an intern out of there every year. So there's always a fresh set of legs there. And we build a network through those guys. And we've actually rehired an intern from last year to come back into a management role for next year. So that's really good that you've, you can kind of keep fresh people coming all the time. and. But I think it's also like, you know, when they're here, that you're basically giving them the experience that you'd like to have and, you know, like just trying to get them enthusiastic about what we're doing. And, and that's all part of how much communication you're providing to them as well. Like, you know, having things like AgriWeb in the share calendar that they can access and, you know, like that helps a lot if they feel like they know what's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like Definitely. And you make it a bit of fun, like Ag's a lifestyle job. You do pretty big hours and some here you're weighing calves in the snow and stuff like that. So there's definitely days of hard. So if you make it rewarding and make it as fun as you can and low stress, I think people like that. Yeah. Hmm. Hi, I'm Pia, horticulture and sugar analyst at Rabobank. And I'm here to share our latest insights on Australia's vegetable market. Did you know in 2023, Australia produced over $5.8 billion worth of vegetables, though only 4.3% of this was exported. Like many other countries, the Australian vegetable industry relies mostly on its domestic market. In fact, only 7% of global vegetables produced are traded between countries. But we are starting to see that trend change. Global trade is growing at a faster rate than production, and countries with low cost production are seeing the highest growth rates. You can learn more about trends in the vegetable market on our latest Rabo Research Australia podcast, Mapping World Vegetable Trade, or reach out to me via the Rabobank Australia social media channels to learn more. And from your involvement with Marcus Oldham, what have, so obviously the students, you guys get access to an interesting bunch of students, they get support while they're studying, but then also a job. What have you guys learned from interacting with kind of that next gen that are coming through? Because I know you're both young, but this next generation coming through are a few years younger than us both, all three of us. I'm not, I know. I'm not that young, Ollie. Thanks very much. I'm, I'm actually an old fella, but... <laughs> no. no, they've been great because, you know, they're actually... Come, because they're at Marcus and they're studying farm management, they're coming in to be a farm manager. So it's been actually quite... Refreshing. Refreshing. Kept and Committed and... Yeah, committed. and, like, impressive as well because, you know, at the start of the year, you know, they're often green, like... A lot of you know young 20 somethings but you know towards the end of the year they start taking on more responsibility and they are really kind of showing you know management skills which is a big part of it it's a i think it's really refreshing and it's a great yeah it's great to sort of be involved with them yeah i would like it. and then to be able to follow them through for the you know the rest of their career and sort of you know sort of see where they go and you know have that as a network as well which is you know works both ways especially in stud games a lot of it's kind of there's a bit of reputation involved and you know if people you know hold the genetics in high esteem that Mm. kind of flows on which is nice the other thing i was going to add is that generally these guys that we've that we come through a bit more tech savvy as well and we try and say the forefront of you know like automatic recording and forgetting everything electronic this kind of yeah there's not much paper in the yards anymore and it's scan files emailed around each other and having that data collected well and yeah it's been huge a benefit yeah having a high quality data handled by people who get it has been really good 
Yeah. And also like the interaction with the rest of the team when you've got someone fresh that's really keen to learn, you know, and kind of improve themselves from a management point of view, that flow on to the other team members has been really positive. Yeah. Because, you know, sometimes they haven't had the same opportunities and haven't maybe had the same education, but they start learning a lot from, you know, potentially new people coming in, which that's been really good. Another question I've got, this is one I'm trying to work out for myself, we'll preface it. How do you maintain, so when you've got these people coming in, whether it might be for a short term or longer term, whatever it might be, but how do you manage when you guys are busy and, I guess, under pressure for people wanting your time and whatnot from different places to actually be enthusiastic but there for those people in those early stages because it might be a like a summer internship that actually could turn into a career with you guys. Yeah. It's really hard. Yeah, it's just good time management and delegating, picking through what you've got on. You know, if you've got a two-page list that day, pick the, the non-negotiables that you have to do. Yeah, push, push the rest or reschedule and prioritise things. And if you can have good people around you that you can – delegate to especially yeah now they say oh i don't know i need to do that but then you give someone young and keen say look i'm trusting you to go and do this for me please pay attention to this this and this and call me if you've got any trouble generally people do really well and they you know you, you give them a little bit of kind of rain and they bolt along with it so it's having good people around you i think that can swallow up what you can't handle well yeah and i think it's also i mean I've learned a lot from having, from becoming a mum and still being in a business. Your brain really does change when you have kids. Like baby brain is not a joke for those ladies out there. <laughs> but it seriously, like it really reduces your kind of speed of thinking and everything. So I've really had to kind of be able to delegate because you can't actually, at home feeding a baby, you can't actually go out and do the thing that normally you would be like, I will do it because I'm faster at it and I'm going to do it properly. But you get to a point where it's like, well, I physically can't actually get there, so you need to get someone else to do it. And they might not be faster at it. They might be, you know, three times the speed that you would do it. But so long as they do it well, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, that if that's the situation you're in, that's what you've got to do. Mm. And so learning that now, B, is it frustrating or empowering knowing that you can hand those things off and the job can still get done without you having to do it yourself? Both. <laughs> It's frustrating and empowering, but it's... You're talking to a perfectionist here. Yeah. She can't, everything's got to be right, 100%. But, no, 99%. Saying that they might be slower, you know, they do it once and then they'll be faster the next time. So everyone has got to learn and, you know, go through it's just experience. But it sort of forced me to become a better manager of people. That's cool. A question for you guys. Is there anything that you're, well, not necessarily struggling with, but something that you're trying to work out something that you're curious about that you're questioning or whatnot that you could throw out here at this stage and there might be some people listening that might have a few ideas or something to a potential problem that you guys are having someone can give me an accurate 10-year rain forecast that'd be great (laughs) look historically don't you just run three averages and somewhere in between (laughs) anything from a like a business management perspective Oh, I think personal skills and um, staff skills, I think, like I said, no one's, we can always improve on that. So I think, yeah, the more development we can get on that, the better. I think it's yeah. definitely, like I said before, staff are your biggest assets and I think, the yeah, the more development there, the better. 
Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, we we are, as we said to you before, Ollie, we're kind of going through, we've got an outside consultant that's helping us with a few changes within our management structure and basically just fine-tuning and making the overall management a little bit more, a bit more formal and a bit more structured just to for the purpose of being across more. It's basically to make it more efficient so that you've got, you're across more, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but... You know what I mean. Across more of the business without having to be in it. Is that what you mean? Well, but across more of the business without having to make consistent phone calls to people. Like, you know, you get to the end of the month and we're going towards, I mean, we have been doing monthly reporting, but having a bit more detail in the reports so that you can get, you know, it's known from all our managers at the end of the month, they're getting, they're sending us a report with X, Y, Z, and you are across that information yeah. that you need and yeah generates a bit more accountability in the business and mm. especially as things change if we're going into another dry season you've got to kind of make decisions on the hop and information's power mm. for sure so one final question to finish on as you mentioned b it was six generations isn't it yes i'm six gen- well yeah six generations Girling are, and at seventh so hopefully if they want to be fun how do you guys maintain and honour the legacy of the business of what it has been but carry it forward? What are the dreams and aspirations moving forward? Well, I think we're lucky that it's always been, you know, the innovation is the way forward and, you know, we've got a very good product but it's only as good as your improvement basically because you want to be the most profitable genetic source. That's our goal. So in continuing the family legacy, it's always been to, you know, along that line of being progressive and and, you know, utilising new technologies as they come up. So I think we're quite lucky in that it hasn't, you know, our thing hasn't been like, oh, let's just do it the way that Grandad did it. Well, Grandad always wanted to make it new and innovative, so we've got to do, if we're going to do what he did, we've got to you. keep being new and um, relevant. Yeah, cool. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to have a yarn this morning. I enjoyed it. How are you guys feeling? Good. Yeah. Good, thanks, all. Really good. Apart from like mind blanks with, you know, baby fog, but that's okay. Perfectly imperfect, babe. <laughs> now, I'd just like to say a huge, huge thank you to all our guests that have been part of this series. It's been fascinating to understand a little bit more about your backgrounds, your businesses, how you've evolved and how you've led your business forward in new and innovative ways to make sure that it's relevant today and into the future. I hope there's different aspects of these conversations that you can really take and draw on. And if you've got any questions, please reach out to us at Humans of Agriculture. Uh, You can find us on our website, humansofagriculture.com. And keep your ears peeled because we are going to have more and more series like this coming out to help get you in the know wherever you are in ways that are just bloody easy to understand. This series is supported by the Farm Business Resilience Program through the Australian Government's Future Drought Fund and the New South Wales Department of Primary Industries. And our aim is to sit down and chat with various people who have lived experience in business management. Through their stories, it's our aim to share their learnings, their approaches, and how they've supported developing themselves, their businesses, and their teams.